Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Hunter Muscaro, Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nucky spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Friday, Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher, a very special Valentine's Day edition. We're going to talk about our sports crushes on segment three. Where's that going to go? I have no idea. We'll see. I wrote a few things down. Mike's got some things we've not discussed. We'll see uh, where that leads us. We'll also talk ETSU men's women's basketball, of course. Well, first segment, we'll talk ETSU men's basketball. Talk about the win. Talk about the preview. We'll talk women's hoops. Again, recap preview. And bold predictions will wrap things up in which you've already been disgustingly bad in your first pick. Well, I'm going to go ahead and gloss right over that and be excited for when you inevitably confess your love for me on air today. Okay. Very excited for that. That's coming at some point, too. You can guarantee it. Okay. I would assume you're wearing a red sweater into the studio. I am. I am. Ne- you're sitting next to me doing the show. Let me ask you this. It's been a long time coming. Let me ask you this. If uh, And you're not married. Uh but if your wife says, let's go throw axes on Valentine's Day and then slips in there, oh, by the way, they sell alcohol, are you concerned, yes or no, go? I'm thinking you're getting axed at that point. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I feel good about that. I'm not either. She got pretty excited about, hey, I've got my mother-in-law's going to watch the kids. We're going to go out, have some beverages, throw some axes. And just, oh, actually, was, we're going to throw some axes. I thought, well, that sounds kind of fun. Never did anything like that before. And then got the, oh, by the way, they sell beverages there. So now I'm thinking, uh-oh. Now, uh, have either uh, of you ever thrown axes? Uh, no, I've never thrown an axe. Has, has your wife ever thrown an axe? To my knowledge, no. But now I'm she getting very, I'm getting very out. concerned. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. Like, is this into something? I mean, life advice here. You throw in alcohol to anything, and it's automatically more. Does that dangerous. not sound like a bad mix? Is it just me? I don't know how you get a license for that. That seems like something well, that should I, not go with throwing axes. Sharp I, things and alcohol usually don't There are gun clubs that actually sell alcohol, too, so maybe it's all right. I'm, I'm not sure. But that seems like a bad idea as well. So, like, if you do, like, ski shooting and stuff, right, or skeet shooting, I guess, as it, as it goes up in there, you got the shotgun, but somebody can just turn around with a shotgun, right? It's not like there's a – so, I, I don't know. It's, I don't know if it I'll sounds see bad. you Monday, but it's been fun. Yeah, you know, been a great, it's been a great year and a half. 178 episodes. Yeah, there we go, 178. Really? 179th will be your one, uh, final one, apparently. <laughs> 179 today. If it makes it. Jay Sandos Memoriam on Sandos and the Sidekick Monday on the Buccaneer Sports Network. I I feel like somehow this has turned into my farewell show, and I didn't even know it. Can't wait to see how we send you off. Well, sports crushes, apparently. is how we're going to send us off, see what happens there. Maybe I'll have to confess my love to you just to go out on a high note. uh, I don't know. I don't know. That may get me axed even more. (laughs) i got to see how this goes. Let's talk a little ETSU men's basketball as we digress here on the show. Trying to have a little fun. Let's have a little fun today. As ETSU men picked up a win against the Citadel, the one thing I would – interesting note in head coach steve forbes 30 times under his tenure the bucks have scored 90 or more seven 
have come against the Citadel. Wow. So it, that seems like an absurd amount, but for whatever reason, and Citadel particularly, for a while there didn't play a lot of defense. They wanted it to be 110 to 120, but the last couple of years they, they have not played that style. But ETSU still continuously throws 90 on the board. And again, the way it's kind of worked out where the bench was sort of running the show there for a while for ETSU, now all of a sudden it just seems like the starting five continues to all be in double figures and lead the way for the victory. Yeah, great night for the box. I mean, this was a little bit close for comfort, I think, in the first half, 38-32, to 32, and I was just very impressed by some of the shots that Citadel was hitting. Uh, there were some high degree of difficulty attempts and makes. Uh, Fletcher B had a four-point play. Um, Caden Rice started out the game looking like he was going to have another 30-point game like he did against the Bucks the first time around. Thankfully, ETSU in the second half, as we'll hear from Coach Forbes in a second, uh, came out with a different mindset, a bit more uh, aggressive, determined on the defensive end. Were we locked in defensively? No. And I wasn't very happy about that. But did they hit some high degree difficulty shots yes but it seems like that always happens so you got to expect it told them at halftime if they shoot the same percentage and they score the same amount of points we're going to be in trouble fortunately you know we came out with a little bit different mindset defensively in the second half and and guarded better and the offense was good pretty much the whole game it does kind of seem like citadel just does always hit a few shots where you're like I'm surprised they don't win more games. But then you see the point totals that they give up, and all of a sudden things become a bit more clear. Fletcher Abi looked a lot like Fletcher McGee at times. It was impressive, some of the shots that he hit, just coming off screens, not looking at the hoop, and, man, just a freshman. And they've got a weird mix of some older guys, seniors, with freshmen. And a couple of the players that they were going to count on are injured and out. So there's a lot of things Citadel's trying to do right now that is even more, um, I don't want to say odd, that's not the right word, but just their style of plays had to change even more so than what it has over previous years because, again, they don't have the full complement. Like, they usually enjoy rotating 10, 11, 12 guys in. And recently it's been eight. And I know the Guyton brothers got in late to make it 10 guys that played in the game. But for the most part – like they're down an eight-man rotation which is not particularly what they want to do but they do a good job of mucking it up they do a good job of confusing teams and i think it takes teams a while to sort of figure out how they're going to attack you know all the different looks that the citadel is going to give you but what helped the citadel which it's still it's hard to believe but they shot almost 50 percent and still didn't get to 70 like they're just having trouble getting to 70 points and if you can get to 70 i would say around the country the the chances of you picking up wins scoring 70 or more are astronomically different than 69 points or below like i I just think if you go and you look and most teams have stats where it's like you know when they score 50 when they score 60 when they score 70 whatever to your point i know we're gonna teach you women's basketball in a second eight and five when allowing 70 or less more than 70 oh and 12 yeah, and, to your and, point. And, and that is exactly where I think it is around the country. I, I think that's not anything new to, to anybody that probably pays any sort of attention to actual scores and not just like, oh, somebody beat somebody, but literally takes a look at scores. I, I think it's easy to point out. And for the Citadel, you know, it's bad enough they're giving up 90 a game, but they're not even getting to 70. And, and if they could get to 70, 75, that probably takes 10 more points off the board. The most amazing stat of the game, which I'm still mad about, the Bucks didn't give up an offensive rebound to the Citadel until like five seconds left to go in the game. And the last time they gave up that many 
or or that little offensive rebounds. I was actually in a hockey perch against Bradley, two thousand and I think it was eight, seven or eight. We went back and looked that up. Maybe it was six. It, it's been tw- like twelve, thirteen years ago that ETSU and we stopped at one because we didn't need to go to zero. But I can't imagine how far back we'd have to go box scores to try to find if there was a zero on the board. More from Coach Parks. One of the bright spots for our team is that I think we've gotten better and better scoring and converting in transition. Early in the year, I'd flip a coin if we were going to score in a fast break situation or we were going to shoot a three. You know, I think we've gotten way better at that. Credit to the kids, the players, as far as converting. Like you said, turning defense into offense. I think we're doing a good job of that. Sometimes fast break points are a bit of a misnomer depending on where you are, how stats are capped. It's kind of uh, it's the, not ti- the timing of it. Some yeah. people are like, is it four seconds or under? Is it's it two seconds? It's just not consistent. Yeah, but ETSU was 15 to 4 in fast break points and I think that I'd agree with Coach Forbes. You can remember it seems like forever ago because while these seasons are four five months if you're really lucky and get deep into the NCAA tournament you go through the holiday period, and there's one semester to another, and you change seasons, so on and so forth. It seems like forever ago that we were talking about transition being a problem for the Bucks, but notice it's probably been a month, month and a half since we've talked about any issues in transition for ETSU. Yeah, and, and that, that's been a huge reason for why I think ETSU sort of turned a corner in a lot of games because they're so good at getting steals, forcing turnovers – and then they weren't – they were, like, under 50% uh, on converting. Inter- I mean, if you remember the North Dakota State game, that was a bit of a struggle. Uh, Furman game was a bit of a struggle, and everything was a bit of a struggle in that Furman game. But there, there were some opportunities there to get buckets to go down. Even Wofford game that was 49-48, ETSU missed some opportunities. I even Western Carolina was the last game I can remember of the last, like, 10 or 11 where there were two or three missed opportunities. Other than that, it seems like if they've been in the open floor, they've scored. Uh, and if they, and if they haven't, they're like seven of eight or eight of nine opportunities. But when you force 14 turnovers and get 23 points off turnovers, and again, the general thumb's a point per turnover, that's what's considered average or good, maybe more than average. That's considered good. So if you get more than that, you're doing some good work. I'll take it a step further, but when you only turn it over eight times – and have seven steals and those seven steals live ball opportunities that I think they scored on every single one of them. I think that's where the efficiency comes into play. I mean, just eight turnovers again, another game where ETSU single-digit turnovers. And then the 19 assists, I thought that was huge um, for ETSU, especially because all the defenses they're playing, all the things they're doing. And then you're seeing Bo Hodges lead the team with six assists. And then David Williamson with five, four with Tisdale, Boyd with three. The only starter didn't have assist is Goussaint, who you would imagine, for the most part, when he touches the ball, especially against the Citadel, his job's to score. His job is not to turn around and see who's open. His job is to put the ball in the basket, in which he did at a very high rate, five of six from the floor and two of four from the line. Love this comment from Isaiah Tisdale postgame. It's kind of difficult because one possession might be a triangle two, next possession boxing one, next possession zone. So it's kind of confusing. And the things about their defense is that they give you open shots, but is it the right shot? So the whole time the coach was saying, let's not get good shots, get great shots. Because there's a lot of times where me, Bo, uh, Lucas Hassan, Patterson, all's open for threes, but is it the good shot? Is it the right shot? No. 
let's try to get a great shot inside out. So that's the main thing, just trying to junk you to take quick shots and shots that you think is good shots. If you miss it, it's bad shots. That's just Isaiah Tisdale talking about the Citadel defensive scheme, and it's just such a mature, advanced, high-level synopsis of what the Bucks were facing. The ability to kind of slip in and out of what's a good shot versus a great shot. Now, I'll say this. I didn't think in the first half the Bucks were consistently – in that mindset, and you even mentioned it on air, you could hear on the crowd mic that you had Steve Forbes and the staff were just saying, that's exactly what they want you to do, and it was a long, maybe not necessarily contested three, but just not a great shot. A good shot, you're open, but to understand the difference game to game between here's what they're going to give us, here's what they want us to do, versus the next game coming out, and that's completely different. We have to adjust. That's not an easy thing to do, especially for an entire team, and it seemed like really early in the game, and then throughout the second half, ETSU understood what was being given to them and why it was being given to them. Basketball IQ is huge. I'm glad you ran that bite, and I forgot he actually said that, but the there's a difference between Bo Hodges, Isaiah Tisdale, Fonnie Patterson, Lucas Cassant shooting a three with 20 seconds on the shot clock than shooting a three with five seconds or less on the shot clock. If they're open with five seconds or less – that is a great shot because you got five seconds left or less on the shot clock. With 20 seconds on the shot clock, that is not a good shot because you can generally have that same shot with three seconds on the shot clock. So I think that's what people don't understand sometimes. It's like, well, it was an open shot. Okay, but an open three with 20 seconds going to shot clock, you're, if you just pass the ball around a little bit, you probably can get that same exact look with three or four seconds to go on the shot clock. So I think that's where the basketball IQ comes in of, okay, they've left me open, but, you know, it's early in the shot clock. You know, they want me to take this shot. That's why they're sloughing off. Let's pass it around. And if they're still fluffing off me and there's two seconds going to shot clock, well, then I've got the best shot that the team's going to have a look at. So I, I think that's very important, too. It's not necessarily that it's a bad shot all the time, when is the shot taken? There's a lot that goes into that, you know, because those guys are left open from three for a while. I mean, Bo Hodges finally hit in league play at home his first three-point shot, which is still hard to, to fathom. I think you said it on the highlights. So just considering play, everything he yeah, does. And, and he's not an awful three-point shooter. I mean, he's obviously not the deadliest of shooter out there, but it's not like he, he, when, it's not like when he shoots a three, everyone gasps and goes, oh, what a terrible shot. I mean, I don't think a lot of people think that at all when he – shoots the basketball from outside. So it was interesting to see, but I think that's good self-awareness and probably showing that you're buying in, that's probably the theme they had at halftime. That's probably like, look, guys, we don't really mind. And Coach has said, I don't mind Lucas Casson shooting a three. He's a very good three-point shooter. I don't want him taking a three with 25 on the shot clock. If he wants to take a three with five on the shot clock, absolutely. He's wide open. Shoot it, Luke. We got pure confidence. But at that much time left on the clock, we feel like we can get the ball inside to the rim and, and, and try to get a higher percentage shot. And I think that's what they want to do. So I think that was a good bite and a, and a good sort of game within the game that people may not understand, right? Not every open shot is a good shot. There are open shots that become a better shot. Like if you're not a good three-point shooter, then definitely shooting a quick three is not it. Shot clock winding down, you're the only open guy, that's a good shot. It, it just is, and that's how the game works. 
I knew this was my imagination. And going back for the last six weeks to the beginning of the calendar year, you look at the first through second halves. ETSU has scored 40-plus points in eight halves. Seven of them have been in the second half. I knew it was not my imagination. And looking back through it, it's, I believe, five in a row now, too, if I'm counting right, uh, second halves that the Bucks have scored 40 or more uh, and maybe take out that loss to Mercer. That's the one exception because they didn't score 40 in either half. But I know Steve Forbes is a great coach. You and me can sit here blabbing about it all day. But seeing a stat like that and hearing Coach Forbes post game with you about his halftime message, the buttons that he seems to push are just perfect, really resonate with his players. Obviously, give credit to the players as well because – they're bought in. They see that they're led by a very intelligent coaching staff. They have a great dynamic and way that they coach the players. Uh, and the players go out and do the work because they believe in that staff and because they're also, I think you've been around for quite some time, just a, a group of phenomenal individuals that have their heads on straight and have a common goal in mind of going to the NCAA tournament, getting to the dance. We've heard player after player talk about it with you post game. But that stat to me, while I thought briefly that I may be making it up just going back through and looking at it um, it's just very impressive the different things from one half to another that you'll see the Bucks do granted you'd like to have that first half be a bit more solid come out with a bit more conviction but knowing that you have that second half in your back pocket as the Bucks have recently a real coup for ETSU well, it's funny you're talking first, second half because I have a whole breakdown oh. of VMI here first, second half so here we go at VMI I'm glad you, glad you said this because it's a good transition at VMI, Steve Forbes' tenure, so 2015-16, 16-17, 17-18, 18-19, ETSU in the first half is minus four. Telling you. In the second half, you want to take a guess? They're obviously plus. They've eight games? Is it eight or nine it's, games they played them? Four. It's just at VMI. Oh, just at VMI. I'm, I'm just sorry. giving it a just at VMI. So there's four, so, so cut that in half. Uh, uh, they would have played them nine times because they would have played them once at home. But right. four times at VMI, minus four. On the road at VMI at half. So, just for an example, they were up two in 2015-16. Uh-huh. They were down seven in 16-17. Up one 17-18. Last year tied. I'm going to say plus 54. Ooh, it's pretty good. Plus 63. Ah. But that's pretty good. It's pretty good. They, in the second half, they've yeah. outscored VMI 41-32, 54-34, 36-23, 55-31. Oh, speaking of, so they score in half. Exploded. Now... Again, it goes back to they've not particularly been good in the first half. And even this first game versus VMI inside Freedom Hall, and I didn't look at that because I just, in my head, I remembered, boy, we really seem to always struggle at VMI in the first half, and then we always seem to blow them out in the second half. So I was like, did I make that up? Can I back that up statistically? And so I got down a rabbit hole talking with Kevin. He kind of remembered the same thing, Kevin Brown, our sports formation director. So we, we kind of comboed to figure out what the difference was. The first game this year, it was 26-21 at half. And that's a home game. And ETSU, again, struggling from the floor. In the second half, they didn't shoot the ball particularly a whole lot better, but they were and they still won by one in the second half, 35-34. But the game's a little concerning. If ETSU didn't have 20 made free throws out of 31 attempts, which is not a great number, compared to VMI just 10 of 11. But VMI second in the nation in three-point attempted and three-pointers made. Uh, only North Florida has more attempts and more makes. So they are a very different squad. They've almost turned into, I want to say, they've almost turned into what Citadel was a, a while ago, uh, if you remember when Coach first took over. But in, in that contest, ETSU just shot 35%. VMI actually shot better at 40%. VMI has hit at least seven threes in every game. They were held 
to seven threes in that game, but nine or more threes out of the 24 games, I think it's 18 times. So only six times have they been under nine threes. And I think that'll be something ETSU will have to do again in this one. Second in the country in three-point attempts, 777. And while you're talking about him being dangerous, since ETSU beat him by six, and I don't think the game was as close as that would appear. That being said, they did cut it to four with 52 seconds left. Bucks were up by as much as 14 in the second half. So I say that, and then you look at how close the game was late, and Greg Parham had a chance to make it a one-possession game with 20 seconds left, missed a shot, and the Bucks ended up winning by six. But there were, I think there was a little bit of nervous energy around Freedom Hall at certain points, especially down the stretch. But uh, with the lead the way it was, the Bucks were able to get over the finish line. I think they're dangerous, too. I mean, since that win, VMI has two wins over Citadel. Okay, they should beat Citadel, right? Um, I'd say the perennial two bottom teams in the league certainly this year uh an 11 point loss at mercer that doesn't look bad now because mercer has done what they've done 12 point loss at wofford to stay that close with the terriers who maybe aren't what people thought they'd be this year or they're maybe exactly what some thought they'd be that big drop off from losing cam jackson and fletcher mcgee uh but still 12 points at wofford i'd say that's another moral victory for the key dads three-point loss at home to Mercer so that one's tight could have gone either way two-point overtime loss to Furman six-point loss to Wofford at home and then last game the only one since ETSU beat them by six that kind of got away from them that was against Chattanooga lost by 19 the difference in that game the Mox went 23 of 24 at the line on 20 VMI fouls also chat was plus 14 on the glass and Ramon Vila and Matt Ryan combined for 16 of 22 from the floor what do you think this team would be if they still had Bubba Parham because I think they would be yeah, it's, a pretty dangerous a great, squad. I think what they're missing right now is that go-to guy, which Bubba Parham was. Well, and, you know, they, Bubba was getting his points, and not necessarily they were trying to shoot the way and run the offense they, the way they are now. So I'd be curious to see, because Dan Earl was not a let's take, you know, 53-a-game type coach prior to – he comes from head to Chellis coaching track and assure you that is not what Coach Chellis wants to do. So it's taken Dan Earl a while to say, okay, well, what we've been doing is not winning some games. Let's credit to him. Let's let's try to do something else. And so it would be interesting to see uh, because the number of guys that they want out there shooting the three, moving the ball around, would it help? Or was Bubba sucking a life out of the ball and nobody would get a shot? I mean, nobody knows, right? Fair That's point. the ultimate goal. But they are missing – a guy. And the guy, right. And he was the guy that led the league in scoring last year, so you'd have to imagine he probably would be able to put the ball still in the hole in the Southern Conference if he was there. And it's not to say Evie and Gilkison can't have big nights. Sure. But there's not the consistent threat. And because they're a three-point shooting team, this is a place where I think that ETSU can really separate themselves tomorrow, 1 o'clock, 1230 pregame on the Buccaneer Sports Network. They just don't get to the line a ton. And it's exactly what they saw against uh, Chattanooga. 23-24 for the Mox. Now, granted, you got to make your free throws to make it as wide of a margin as Chattanooga did, but VMI wasn't there nearly as much as Chattanooga was. Bottom 40 in the country in makes and attempts at the stripe. You do have to take good care of the ball because they do have quick hands. 94th in the country in steals, though they're 4th or 5th in the league. So ETSU and a few others are right up there as well when it comes to the rankings around the land. But got to take care of the ball. Got to force the issue. Be confident. Be aggressive drive the ball to the basket, get to the line, and you, I hate to say this, and I have tried not to on multiple shows against certain opponents throughout the year, but 
you do just kind of have to hope that VMI doesn't have an out-of-your-mind type day from beyond the arc. Now, even if they do, say they hit 15-3, say they go 15-32, that's going to make things difficult, no doubt, especially at their gym. There are still paths to victory. It's not to say if they do get hot that they are a for sure winner because, as you mentioned with the three-point stat, they hit a lot, and they hit a lot every game. So it's not like that is an end-all, be-all for this game, but you can go a long way towards victory if you don't give them extra possessions, come up with empty possessions by turning the ball over, and you also change the game from what they want to play it to on your end um, you know, getting the ball down low, drawing contact, uh, and making their bench a little bit shorter if you can get guys in foul trouble. I, and I think you stop three-point shoot. I mean, that's that's what they want to do. You know, I can't imagine VMI hitting seven threes and beating you the way they want to play. No. They hit 16 threes. Possible. 15 threes. A- a- absolutely they're going to be in the ball game. So I, that's the – that's the thing I think that sticks out to me and what ETSU needs to do. Number one, just need to get to the free throw line. Uh, they're, they're just going to be better athletically, physically, uh, quicker, everything that you're looking at. But there are several times they've hit double-digit threes and not won the game. And so I'm thinking that's the easiest way for ETSU to pick up the win. I mean, they have 14 threes versus Presbyterian and lost 16 threes. Seven times they've had double-digit threes and lost. That's unbelievable. They are under 500 when making double-digit threes. So, to me, you hold them to seven or eight threes, it's it's a win. It's, it's that simple. And I know you just gave their under 500, but the only way I think they're going to beat ETSU is by hitting a lot of threes. Well, and to the other side of things, they've won one game when they've hit less than 10 threes. One game. They're like 1 in 10, 1 in 11. So, while, well, yeah, they're under 500, I believe they're 6 and 7. So, one game under 500 when they do hit double digit threes, like 1 and 11 when they don't hit double digit threes. So, 100%, that's what they want to do. I'll give you another one. Uh, when they shoot 20 or more free throws, <coughs> 3 and 2. So, if you can get them off the line, don't let them shoot and connect on double digit threes, to me, ETSU victory. Agreed. All right, there we go. That's our breakdown. ETSU men's basketball. Talk a little women's hoops. Don't forget, sports crushes coming up on Valentine's Day special here. And we will go bold predictions. We're after this time out, though. It's women's basketball. Hear a word from Santos Sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks. But we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on. Embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge. New name. Renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. Santos and Sidekick back with you. Mike, fresh off the trip to Spartanburg, South Carolina, where ETSU fell 86-62. to Micah Sheets, 19 points on 7 of 15 shooting on the day. And the Bucks. you look at some of the numbers, 49% from the floor, 71% from three, 85% from the free throw line. 
sometimes stat are misleading, but you look at rebounding, turnovers, a couple of the other key factors, and that was the difference in the game. Head coach Brittany Azell said after the game she was disappointed in Elise Stafford, Shania Jackson, because they just weren't aggressive. Three of six for Elise Stafford, eight points. Shania Jackson, one of five from the floor, did have seven points because she got to the line six times, made five of those. But she also mentioned pregame that she was really happy about how the Bucks were progressing on the glass and that they could not turn the ball over. And she absolutely hit the nail on the head because – where ETSU was so good on the glass and not turning the ball over for the majority of the last couple of weeks. Last night, things were completely flipped. It was 35-20, to 20, the advantage for Wofford on the glass, and I'm not sure I've seen a team get shut out in second-chance points very often and give up 23 of them, uh, but 23 to nothing in second-chance points in favor of the Terriers, who won by 24, and that was a 23-point advantage. And then you look at turnovers, uh, 17 for ETSU, flipping into 24 points off turnovers. And you talked about it. You are 100% right on. One point per turnover is about what you would want. You'd be very happy with that if you're a head coach. And they had about one and a half points uh, per turnover. And ETSU was only able to force six of them and turn that into eight points. Now they turned it into eight points. That's great, but just not enough turnovers. Wofford, we talked about it on Wednesday. Talked about it on the broadcast last night. Winning the turnover margin is a very difficult thing to do against them. They're plus almost six in the league, and they're top 20 in the nation in turnover margin throughout the year. Uh, when you're minus 11, not only are you not really staying in that battle, you're, you're kind of getting dominated at it, and especially when Wofford is getting out in transition and making the most of those turnovers is going to be a tough night. It's the most points they've scored against a Division One opponent all year in 86. Uh, I do want to say I feel horrific for them this morning it was a good game for him last night but Chloe Wanick almost surely tore her ACL last night again preseason league player of the year Jamari McDavid went down with a knee injury uh, in the third quarter also and those are kind of the two horses for the Terriers um, yeah they got Deja Green yeah they got Cairo Booker yeah they got Lily Hatton but the heart and soul of that team for quite some time has been Chloe Wanick and Jamari McDavid is a game changer. She's got a great mid-range jump shot. She's athletic, can go get it on the glass. Uh, I saw Wanick in an ankle-to-quad brace on the bench late in the game. That, to me, screams ligament tear. And she was a senior. She was 116 points away from breaking Jenny Nett's program record for scoring. Um, and I saw that sight on the bench last night and I got to figure almost surely her career is done because she's already burned a red shirt because he tore her ACL once already. Jamari McDavid um, a bit less certain on what the severity of her injury is. She came down awkwardly trying to go for an offensive rebound. Ariel Harvey uh, collided with her and uh, she went down and, and stayed down for quite some time. Couldn't walk going off the floor but was not in as big of a brace when she left it. So Jimmy Garrity and Wofford have had some terrible luck with injuries. And I hate to think that me and coaches all jinxed at pregame. We were talking about how healthy they've been and how unhealthy the Bucks have been and how the luck was maybe a bit flipped this year uh, because ETSU has often been a top-half championship contender. Now it seems like Wofford is, and ETSU is the one that's down because of health-type things. And then you see that. Uh, just feel terrible for those two kids. I, you hate anything like that. Uh, injury, especially if it's a second time or another time, but just the – the pain of anybody going down, there's nothing worse than, than watching an athlete of any stature in a helpless state, you know. And and then the next level is certainly with athletes of that caliber. Oh, absolutely. Again, with anyone, like you a said. Absolutely. But. Uh, but just the – and I think if it's not your first or second time, sometimes there's a different reaction 
and the horror of the first time comes in and then the 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 cry and the wail is a bit more it's it's different i i think i and unfortunately you do this long enough you see this stuff happen and you see it happen multiple times if it's the same injury it's just it's heartbreaking for anybody and it is awful to watch and so we hate that we hope um i don't think the official words come out no. but we still hope that, yeah definitely that, that and and like i said with cameron gibson at western they've still not said anything about him that i've seen a couple of situations with the leg that's happened in front of me that look like and and almost like a knee explodes i mean it's just you see the way something happens and you're like that's not good they're not coming back there are times i have been wrong i hope i'm wrong and unfortunately i have been more right than wrong in in those and and there have been some where it's like it looks really awful and they might be out a couple weeks in her back but the more times that that i've seen someone i've said that's awful it has unfortunately been awful and not the other so we hope that's it. But that that is, especially just everything about it, and they're having a special year. They were starting to come together. They're starting to play well. And, yes, ETSU is a competitor, and they're trying to beat them. But still, the human element of things just comes into play at some point because you you want to win. You certainly want to beat people at their strength. Or if it's something, you certainly don't want them to go down in a game that you're playing. Yeah, no, no question. And certainly, as you said, hope that I'm wrong on this. I've been wrong before on similar type things. Um it was almost, when you look at the replay, kind of resignation from Wanick. You know, she went down, held her hand up, and it's almost like she knew what had happened. But anyway, I don't want to belabor the point. Sure. Hope she's okay. Hope Jamari McDavid is okay. They were without Wanick for the second half. McDavid really for the last 15 or so minutes, and both of them were very good when they were in the ballgame, combined to go 11 of 15 for 24 points. And you thought that without those two, perhaps the Bucks could take advantage of a couple of things. Again, not that you wish that on anyone ever, but, you know, in the situation that you're faced with, the thought is, well, how deep can the team be? And Deja Green just stepped up. It was as pure of a shot as I've seen from pretty much anyone around the conference throughout the year, maybe save Elise Stafford um, last week when she went 11-17 against Western and put up 29 points. And um, there's a few that I can think of, but... Green just wanted to get to the mid-range and live in that 14 to 18 foot area and almost everything she put up it seemed went in now she would end up going eight for 16 I'm forgetting obviously a lot of the misses but four of seven from outside four of four from the free throw line 24 points and it was a good night for ETSU for Ariel Harvey. Good to see her back involved offensively. Three of three for six points. Kaya Upton was five of nine. Um, but you kind of nailed it. I mean, it was turnovers and then the subsequent points off. Percentage-wise, a really good night for ETSU. They outshoot Wofford from the floor and from outside. Now, the Terriers did have a great night at the line. 17 of 18 from the free throw stripe, but then uh, rebounds as well. And it's an area that we talked about early in the season etsu considering they lost lexus spears at asia tips raven dean um britney snowden the ones they did lose down in the post it was going to be a struggle and you almost forgot about that because of the couple of weeks that the bucks had had on the boards um and really you know they've managed for a lot of the year and again you go back and look at some of those non-conferences and you can poke holes in the theory but um for a lot of the year they found a way to not get beat solely in the rebounding game but last night was just not that case. It was the rebounding to the second chance points and then uh, just the turnovers that led to easy baskets for Wofford. So that's uh, Wofford's 14th one of the year. They're now 7-3, and three, still tied atop the conference um, in the SoCon. Uh, and so they're just moving right along. And, and you hope that 
uh, for their sake, because of the bad luck that they've had, that this doesn't completely derail their chances at a SoCon regular season or postseason title. That being said, moving on, ETSU has to reload because they've got Furman, a team that Who's gonna be will, mad. will be very mad <laughs> Who's and gonna be mad? have had some really surprising results lately. And, you know, I was there for the, the Mercer-Furman women's game right before ETSU played Mercer, and it just just didn't look right. Furman didn't look right. I don't know if that's because Mercer's been playing better basketball. They've certainly picked up three wins in their last, like, five games. But uh, something's off with Furman, and I don't. I kind of hope they don't figure it out as, as whatever it is going on. And Chattanooga goes on the road, picks up a six-point win, and now has leapfrogged. Furman in the standings, and as you are right now, Wofford stands alone. Oh yeah, but pardon me. So that they were the only one. They're in half game. Yeah, that's yeah, right. right. And, and that's the only thing, but because tied in the loss column, right? Uh, UNCG and Sanford are six and three, a half game behind Wofford. Chattanooga now six and four. Furman five and five. Mercer three and six. The Bucks question Carolina from there, but Furman's got a you know this is going to be their year, right? Coming off the loss in the title game returning a lot of people people thinking you know sort of like on the men's side because they were right there chip on their shoulder they're going to make the the next step and and they've just they've struggled down the stretch i know they've lost two in a row they've lost you know i don't know three or five three four, or six, four, yeah. something like that so i mean it's just been a tough struggle for the paladins now are they still reeling or are they going to be really fired up whenever they play etsu and if you remember the, and i'm sure you do you're there the first meeting it was just a one-point game at halftime, right? When I think it was like 36-35, or if it wasn't that, I'm close. But it was a one-point game at halftime. Your guy, Rob Fessler. Uh, that was that game. And then the end of the third happened, and then and then it, it went. That's Snowball. right. That's yep. right. Oh, yeah, Rob. I forgot. Do you have a, do you have a crush on Rob? Are we going to talk about that later? Two-touch Rob? No, I don't. Okay. All right. I think when the Paladins were their best, they've got Tierra Hodges, you know, athletic wing, kind of playing very efficient basketball. Uh, shooting above 50%, going and getting rebounds. Leger Davidson is a familiar name. Um, she's a really good dead-eye shooter when she's on. And then Selena Taborn, we talk about a lot, strong post presence. Those three are what makes them go. And I think too often lately, Jackie Carson, head coach, 10th season, is leaving games unhappy with how the offense has just failed to follow that blueprint. You know, look at the three of the last four that – Furman has lost. Davidson in the losses, 10 of 44 from the field combined. Taborn has taken just 13 shots over the last three games. And in Thursday's loss to Chattanooga, seemingly the only consistency that Furman has most times is Tierra Hodges, and she fails to deliver. 29% from the floor in just six points. Now, that being said, they still do lead the conference in field goal percentage uh, during league play, making 42% of their shots from the floor. Um, and they're a really good rebounding team. Not to bring rebounding up again since it's so fresh, but this game is tomorrow, so we kind of have to. Rebounding offense, defense, and margin during conference games. Furman is number one. So regardless of Davidson, Taborn, and Hodges, whether they're on or not, and again, I do think those are their keys. Those are their uh, their big-time players that have to be there in order for them to put forth their best effort. But whether they do or not, rebounding, as Coach Zell talks about so often, is about effort. And Furman's clearly still giving the effort, and as we saw against Wofford, that effort can change games. Uh, ETSU's not going to have Jada Craig again. She didn't make the trip. Illness. So it's going to be nine bodies. It's going to be the nine that the Bucks had um, against Wofford that they'll have against Furman. Ty Kimbrough, I think, is a big, <coughs> big key in this game. 
not only in how she defends Selena Taborn, and she's going to be out muscled down low. You know, Ty Kimbrough is a more lanky six foot four, where Selena Taborn um, is a pretty strong six foot three. Now, Taborn has not been getting as many touches as we talked about, just 13 shots over the last three games. So, whether they decide to go to her more often, I think that would be smart if they do. Um, Ty Kimbrough is going to be have to going to have to be up to the challenge. She's been pretty quiet offensively the last couple of games, and then on the defensive end, this is going to be a real challenge for her. Yeah, it, it, it's the best inside duo I, I think in the league. Um, Furman and Taborn is just it's she had double double first outing she's a walking double double she's just so skilled offensively um and I think Furman if they're smart and Jackie Carson who's a post player herself just try to get the ball inside and again Buck's obviously very thin in general in bodies especially I think in the post so if you get in foul trouble it's obviously a way Furman needs to attack I think ETSU's got to try to get to the free throw line. I love the the five for seven number from three. Um, in the last game, I think you know ten attempts would be nice. But if they can get you know five to seven threes to go down, get to the free throw line, Furman's going to keep the game like most teams in a league in the sixties. So I think the Bucks need to hold them in the fifties. And try to just like I said, Wofford. I thought a fifty-five, fifty-two game, something like that. I think that's sort of the the mindset that Coach Zell has to have to try to get the game to a, a 57-54 type contest and free throws not getting in foul trouble I think is going to be the key for ETSU. Well and ETSU was able to do that at Furman's place last year if you remember late in the season it was 57-55 to 55 in overtime and Brittany Snowden had a layup to send it to a second overtime and she wasn't able to put it down only six points in that first overtime Furman four of them unfortunately for the box I did think it was interesting and had the game gone differently I would have asked Brittany Zelda's post game ETSU scored 18 first quarter points now Wofford hot shooting team difficult on a night like they were shooting it with the kind of balanced effort that they were having from Wanick and McDavid and Booker and Green uh, difficult to trade two for three but ETSU was eight of 15 from the floor in that first quarter did not take a three and they were down seven. It's 25 to 18. You put up 18 points in a quarter consistently, you're getting to 72. And as you mentioned, that 70 number, you're over that magic 70 number. In fact, the Bucs, um, you know, as we mentioned, when they don't give up 78 and five, when they score 70, I can think of a couple games right off the top. Mercer, Western Carolina in the conference season, two of their three wins where they've scored 70 or more and one. Um, was it a concerted, concentrated effort to not take threes in that first quarter, see how things would go just inside the arc, because it worked pretty well. I wonder if ETSU doesn't try that in this game where Furman clearly doesn't have the shooters with or without lately, Lige Davidson. She's really the one that's going to take all of their threes, um, but she hasn't really been hitting you know, from the field in general. So are you more apt to try and stay inside the perimeter and take two in a game like this, considering Furman isn't probably going to put up 86 on you. Yeah, I, I do wonder. I, I agree. I, I think, and to take it a step further, I think try to get to the rim. I, I think getting to the free throw line is, uh, you know, the ultimate sort of if you're an underdog. If you can get to the line and get some extra points there, uh, you know, and you never get the right people at the line, right? It's not just everybody going line. But if you get the, and, but for ETSU wins basketball, for the most part, you know, there's only one or two free throw shooters you don't want up there. Everybody else, fairly decent from the line or better. So I think if you can get the line, try to avoid, you know, and the the big thing for ETSU is the long lulls where they don't score at all, the scoring droughts. I think they, 
they've got to try to contain that. And if they do, I, I, I mean, again, Firm is not playing particularly great basketball. They've been struggling. Could be ripe for the picking on Saturday afternoon. One can hope. All right, Sports Crushes. We're going to talk about that. Valentine's Day right after this time out. Center Psychic, Buccaneer Sports Network. Life is all about perfect pairings. Sweet and salty, naughty and nice, hot and cold. Well, add instant and jackpot to the list because that's what you'll get when you add Quick Cash to your next Tennessee Cash play. Quick Cash is a simple way to turn one game into two. With Quick Cash, you'll have a chance to win up to $500 instantly right there at the register. Plus, you'll still have a chance to win the Tennessee Cash drawing later. Get the best of both worlds and get twice the fun. It's Quick Cash with Tennessee Cash, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Trick Daddy. Tram, the insult comic dog. Who's next? I don't know what's gonna happen! The Secrets. Sandos and the Side. I forgot this one. Is there a mystery guest? There is not. There is not. Sports Crushes! Sports Crushes. So, out of the blue, Wednesday... I was sitting there, and I was thinking about <laughs> Friday, what could we do? A bolt of lightning seemed to hit you. It did, yeah. and it, it hit me before we started recording Wednesday's oh, okay. show, so I sat on it, but I was still debating, do we want to do it? How are we going to do it? What are we going to do? We've not discussed it. I literally threw it at you at the last second. You lit up like a Christmas tree and said, I love it, and then we've not talked about it since, but uh, I'm a lover, I love Valentine's a Day, right? It's not something we're going to do every year, but it's on Valentine's Day. Why not do it? I'm a lover, not a fighter. How could I not love yeah. the idea? So how many do you have? Five. All right. I'm going to let you go first. Full of love. Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, how can you not love him? Mm -hmm. Uh, Good-looking dude. George Clooney look-alike. Yeah. Probably a very good actor like George Clooney. And the best part is, self-made man, never had to learn from anyone, made his own way. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G. Are we going, you going five to one or one to five? Oh, am I doing all mine in a row? No, 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 no. We'll alternate. I'm just asking. Oh, I didn't rank him. Oh, you didn't rank him? No. Charles Barkley. Mm. He is chubby. He is sexy. He is funny. He's everything that I want to be in life. And he has a lot of money and not afraid to say whatever he wants to because he's just the weird chubby guy that everybody loves. So how, many Charles those, how many of those are you missing? The, the attributes that you just mentioned, how many of those do you possess? Uh, the money part probably is number one. Um, the sexiness, I don't know. Sexiness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, some people can carry the chubbiness with sexiness, and some can't, and uh, I don't think I can. The Chuck Wagon is a great nickname, too. Right? Oh. You, have a, you have a pretty good nickname every, yourself, Voice of the Bucks, but uh, the e- Chuck every, Wagon. Everything about Chuck seems to be great. Jacoby Brissett. I think he's getting the short end of the stick in Indianapolis. Really need him to be able to take the field for another year and show that not only is he a solid quarterback, he did it all on his own and had a vision for what he was going to be one day and now is living out that vision without the help of anyone before. Vince Wilfork. Love. We used to call him Will Fat, affectionately. We actually made T-shirts for him, Vince Wilfat. Nose guard, right, for the for the Pats that I no longer uh, – I mean, I pull for the Pats, and I pull for the other guy that used to play for the Pats. It's free agents, probably going to go somewhere else. But Vince Wilfork uh, was a guy that I love again. He's big, he's fat, he started to do a bunch of barbecuing things, uh, so he makes food. I, I don't understand how – what is not to love about Vince Wilfork. The Miami Dolphins, second fiddle to no one. 
on the ascension one day will be at the top of the standings, their rightful place, since Dan Marino was never able to win a Super Bowl. That Super Bowl is coming, and they'll do it for Dan. And everyone in that division will be looking up at them, and there's nothing those in the division can do about it. Miami Dolphins on the rise. Sports crash. Rick Flair, because he's just the godfather of everything. Just the everything he stands for. Expensive robes, limousine ride. I'm not going to do the whole thing, but we all we've all heard. But everything about Rick, and Rick transcends everything. Like here, here's the thing. Everyone loves Charles Barkley. I think in general, maybe not when he played, but the, the Charles that is now. I think people just, if I can use a wrestling term, because I think people know by now I'm a, a wrestler. They, they pop for Ric Flair every time he shows up. Just the aura of Rick. So my third one is Ric Flair. The Buffalo Bills, past and present. That's pretty much all I got. <laughs> Bills, uh, uh, Bills Mafia, just... Well, they're the best team in the area. Always have been. Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, et al. And now a new era is being ushered in with Josh Allen and that running back that they drafted that I can't remember the name of, Devin Singletary. It's going to be a great few years for the Buffalo Bills, as it will be for the Miami Dolphins. And I can't think of a contender in sight. Here, and this is not one similar to how you've taken a couple of teams. Every chubby, fat kicker in football, regardless of what level. That's my favorite thing to see. A very chubby belly hanging over the belt kicker of any kind. I just love this. I don't know why. It's just one of those things that I just grow. And so three of my four are chubby guys. That's how I'm just going to say go. The New York Jets think that they're in a division that is very devoid of anyone that can touch them outside of the Bills and Dolphins, who will for quite some time. going to be a three-horse race, and I can't wait to see how it unfolds. Uh, Sam Darnold going straight to the top along with Josh Allen and whoever the Dolphins end up playing. Um really think that they're set up for success and in terms of teams that have the word new in their name in the NFL uh, I can't think of another that even is within shouting distance of the New York Jets hmm. so the, my last one I, I, I did I have to admit I went back and forth on I was thinking like Rob Gronkowski maybe you know he's got the the looks the party animal the just I don't care about life in general and can literally get away with things that no other human being can get away with. Sort of like Charles. So it was a little bit of a theme there. Do I go with guys that can get away with things that are like not normal human beings? But I'm not going to go Rob. I'm going to go somebody who works with athletics in a way, but not an athlete. Alyssa Milano is my favorite because she's now got her line of clothing at the NFL.com. And Does because really? I've loved her since Who's the Boss. That was a good and, show. And I'm sure my wife is not listening, so I'm going Alyssa Milano. Boom, was that, was that Danza? Was that Tony Danza? Tony Danza. Tiny Dancer. Oh, that's right. Tony Danza. Hold me closer, Tony Danza. I think that's how the song goes. Alyssa Milano was like eight years old in that show, wasn't she? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, she's pretty but I was. She's a little, she, I think she's two years older than me when it's all said. Though. Honorable mentions for me, uh, Ohio State and Michigan State. Um, also, any golden retriever that fetches bats. My sports card. Uh, my other honorable mention besides Rob Gronkowski, Gronkowski, if I could say it right, is John Stevens, uh, Keith Brake, and everybody else, Parker Schwartz, that I worked with besides you. So there you go. There's our sports crushes. 
as in case you didn't get the theme, Mike Gallagher picked everything that I hate or or whatever. So congratulations, Mike Gallagher. All right, we'll do bold predictions. That was fun. Uh, that was our sports crushes. Bold predicts up this time. Out to work, Sandro Sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. An inside look at Buccaneer basketball is back this winter with the ETSU Radio Coaches Show. Monday nights all season long, Steve Forbes and Brittany Azell join Voice of the Bucks Jay Sandoz live from Wild Wing Cafe at 71 Wilson Avenue in downtown Johnson City. It's a 6 o'clock start as Forbes and Azell field your questions, reflect on results, and preview upcoming action. The ETSU Radio Coaches Show every Wednesday at 6 right here on WXSMAM 640, The Sports Monster. Look, I think it's plain to see Andrew Luck is going to be the top quarterback in football this year. If you don't think Antonio Brown's going to be a model system when he finally gets out of Pittsburgh and Oakland and goes to New England and get released by New England and go to online college, you're crazy. The AAF is a juggernaut. It's only a matter of time before it overtakes the NFL. You really think the NFL and Roger Goodell is going to let Josh Gordon back in? I mean, it's obvious. Fletcher McGee is getting drafted, maybe even in the first round. No, 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 no. I've got plenty of sources more than you, Mike, in Knoxville. Rick Barnes is no way considering that UCLA job. Bold predictions. Bold predictions. Bold, 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 bold. Quickly becoming my least favorite segment of the week. Bold, bold. Predictions. All right. I already had one. I'm going to start. Oh, you already had one. Okay, I'll I'll jump in here. I'm going to go women's basketball. Mercer. Keeps the train running and defeats the Sanford Bulldogs. Is that bold? Is it not? Oh, on the women's side. Yeah, women. Oh, sorry. I was like, wait. I thought I said women's basketball. <laughs> you might have. I I'm pretty know. sure I said women's okay. basketball. Women's basketball. Mercer defeats the Sanford Bulldogs. On the flip side, I'll go ahead and do another one. Oh, sure. Men's basketball. Mercer. I'm going to tell you how they're going to lose to UNCG. Okay. Eight minutes or so to go in the game. It's going to be UNCG either up by one possession, so that's three points or less, or down to Mercer with eight minutes to go, but yet UNCG pulls out a double-digit victory. Boom, number two. Got a lot of Mercer going on today. Feeling pretty good about those. It's on you now. I'm glad you just skipped over my prediction from earlier this week so I don't have to bring it up. Uh, I am just languishing, uh, sinking ever the deeper in bold predictions by the moment, and I think I did hit rock bottom when I – well, I said that last week too, Uh, but – I said Patrick Goodwin hit five threes or more. I believe in Pat. I still believe in Pat. I think he's now pointless, though, in five of his last six games and one of his last 20 from the floor. Here's my reasoning behind it. Goes away from the team, has a personal issue to attend to. Get that out of the way. Go and do what you have to do. Come back refocused. A reborn Pat Good. Unfortunately, did not work out for me. So what I've done from my other two bold predictions, I did this last night, very, very late at night, as I was losing sleep over my horrific performances over the last really six or seven weeks this calendar year in bold predictions uh i just went to espn yep went to the scores tab under men's basketball and women's basketball yep and i just scrolled with my eyes closed until i went to a game and i said i have to pick that underdog so on the men's side i have notre dame over duke (laughs) on the road at cameron indoor on the women's side i have washington over arizona state washington's won three pac 12 games my bold predictions Okay, this is this is a sign that Mike Gallagher's given up on life. I have not given up. I'm he just trying a new strategy. All right, so follow me here. Sixteen, ten, ten, triple double. No, oh. not quite. But just follow me. Sixteen points, Lucas Gasol. He will attempt ten free throws. 
and he will have 10 rebounds. So it'll be a double-double with at least 16 points, 10 rebounds, but he will attempt 10 free throws as well. Why don't you just go ahead and be real bold and say a triple-double for Lucas Toussaint. Quadruple-double. He's not a Kimelogic. Oh. I wish he was. Did Akeem have a quadruple? Yeah, Akeem had a couple. David How? Robinson had a couple as Did well. Did he really? Yeah. How many quadruple you have to be doubles? A, you basically, all the quadruple doubles are pretty much all centers. Interesting for the blocks. Yeah. What about the steals? No guards? We've got That's the 10 not, steals? Not top. Uh, there, there may, but most of the quadruple doubles have been centers. All right, that'll do it for our show. I enjoyed it. I hope everybody has a good Valentine's Day. And if you're, uh, we love you. If you're throwing some axes, uh, don't drink and throw. Either drink or throw. <laughs> exactly. Do not do Not both. that we encourage any, especially if you're under the age of 21. Correct. Responsibly with all of the tasks at hand mm-hmm. that we're discussing. Uber, Lyft, they got those things nowadays. Please do that. All right, that'll do it. Uh, let's talk next week. What do you think of that? All right. We'll recap everything that we got right. All right. Mike and Network. See ya.